Off top, Gerontophilia? Maybe. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What's up, Charlie? It was kind of, I liked the game. It was fun. I thought it was the most boring, exciting game of the season. I feel like it boiled down to a couple of things. The conversation today is the day after is going to be all about the roughing the passer calls. And also, I don't know if this is what the conversation is going to be out of the game, but it should be about the difference that a true number one receiver makes. Even though the Chiefs won, it was obvious to me that the most impactful player in the game, I guess not including the quarterbacks, was Devontae Adams. He was the main reason, even though he didn't have all the numbers, he was the main reason why the Raiders were in the game. They were running the ball. Well, first, they left him in man coverage, and he was killing the Chiefs in man coverage, either penalty or big catch after big catch and a touchdown. Then the Chiefs responded by a lot of cover two and other two high coverages in order to take that away. And then it felt like the Chiefs couldn't stop the Raiders' running attack. And then we saw what was happening on the other side with the Chiefs. The Raiders played man coverage a lot of the first quarter, and the Chiefs struggled. Then out of nowhere, they decided to switch to like a zone. Chiefs went at him, and then they went back to man coverage, and nobody was getting open. Patrick Mahomes was like throwing the ball in perfect spots that they couldn't drop the ball, but nobody was getting open. Key plays, there were situations where people were in man coverage, and there's a guy right on their hip, incomplete pass, because they don't have anybody that scares you. And I know the Chiefs, won this game, but the Chiefs are a championship or bust type of team, and this is going to be a problem going forward. I think the difference between them and the Bills is Stephon Diggs. Like, yeah. right now, the difference is the the Bills have a guy that you can't just leave out there by himself or he will destroy you. Yeah. So we, we do have to get to the roughing the passer, but before, before we get there, I'm actually fascinated by this because you think that Devontae Adams is a more dominant number one tonight than Travis Kelsey. Because I view yeah. him basically as a pass catching, catching option as well. Absolutely. I mean, this goes back to the conversation we had about the Raiders, or excuse me, about the Rams. And mm-hmm. um, Cooper Cup made me look stupid because he had a big touchdown pass after I said he can't have those big plays. But um, Travis Kelsey's a tight end. And, yeah. and no matter what he does, like he's a great player. So he's going to make big plays. But it's different than Tyreek Hill. That's what it comes down to. The absence of Tyreek Hill. And Nicole Hartman can't um, replace him. Valdez Scanlon can't replace him. Nicole's hurt, too. but uh, And Juju Smith-Schuster's not that type of receiver. He can't replace him. And it's it's going to be a hole in their game when they play teams that can score with them. Uh, and they need to have a shootout. Or they play teams that actually have enough coverage players to play man coverage and blitz the shit out of Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be in trouble. So yeah, that's that. And also just before we get to the rough in the past, because I think that's going to be the most uh, animated conversation we have. Why is Hunter Renfrow throwing games again? Like <laughs> the Cardinal game, he fumbled like three times in the final minute and they lost that game. And this game, he tackled Devontae Adams. Well, first he, he kind of gave it to Juan Thornhill and he was open and then decided to charge into Devontae Adams at the end of that game. Like, what, what's going on with – he's supposed to be film room guy, right? He's he's crafty guy, doesn't make mistakes. What's he, what's he doing out here? I have no idea because, like, I genuinely think he's, like, a good football player. Yeah. And this has been so out of character because he's been objectively, like – 
a net, a massive net negative in two of these losses. And those losses are so precious to avoid in the NFL that it's like staggering. It's hard to call a valuable player this year when you have those two losses on your resume. Let me turn my TV off. It's the commercials are making my face turn colors. There we go. All right. Um. So let's get to the roughing call. Yes. Yeah. And then the the not roughing call. I, so all anybody wants. So first, I think you want some consistency. So in the course of this game, they called some roughing calls and they let some calls go that based on what we've seen the last week or so should have been roughing. And it's all based around uh, the Tua injury. It seems the NFL has like created some new focus that requires defensive players to sack quarterbacks without tackling them. It's it's complete BS, though, because that's not what we as a viewing public were angry about with Tua. Right. It, we weren't we weren't angry about the way you got thrown down to the ground. That's part of the things we've discussed where, like, we know the devil's bargain we've made in watching football and how violent it is. We were upset that the team didn't protect him when we all saw him have a concussion a week earlier and left him open to have se- uh, second impact syndrome or whatever are the possible outcomes of having two concussions in four days. It was never about the violence of either hit, really. I mean, the second one was brutal to watch, but that's not what made us squeamish. It was the complete yeah. lack of care for someone who's already been hurt. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Once that first or that second hit happened, we were all or the league was on notice. They couldn't have anything else yeah. ugly happen. They didn't want any more ugly hits to happen. But of course, Naheem Hines on the next Thursday night game is stumbling off the field. Chris and it's Olave. ugly. Yeah, Chris Olave is stumbling around. It's ugly. And they they you can't legislate those out of the game, but they certainly seem like they're trying. So yeah, it was uh it didn't cost them, it didn't cost the Chiefs the game, but the it really almost bad. Did. Yeah, it certainly it almost a, did. It was a 10-point swing. It was a 10-point swing. But it, I'm saying it, it would have been a different conversation if we had two games that were decided in the last game of the weekend on Monday. It would have fueled our conversation all week if it was if it would have cost them the game. It didn't cost them the game. And then, so what's the difference between, and I'm asking you this question rhetoric, rhetorically, obviously, but What's the and I saw people making this mashup on Twitter, but what's the difference between the Patrick Mahomes getting slung to the ground where they didn't throw the flag and Tom Brady getting slung to the ground? I have to say, if there's any quarterback in the league that I want protected, it's Patrick Mahomes. So if you're going to throw flags to make sure somebody's safe, please make sure it's him. I was so sad. Remember when he hurt his knee on that um, sneak a couple years ago like that? Yes. Changed the complexion of the season for me. He had a string of injuries that year. Yeah. He was like banged up the entire season. I was genuinely like sad watching it. I was like, no. it's like I, I want this guy to be healthy for 15 years, like Peyton and Brady. Yeah, but yeah, they they're gonna. I mean, the and I guess we should talk about their defense too because they don't have a true like lockdown corner, and there aren't very many in the league given the rules. And it's just it's kind of impossible to have that, and that's gonna be an issue. It, goes both ways so like this uh, it's something that we don't talk a bunch about but like how this might be a stretch but i feel like number one receivers are the new running backs like when we were growing up it was key in the 90s to have a running back like no good team didn't have a like a real good running back and it feels like that's becoming the receiver position with how the game has changed somebody to tilt coverages somebody to um to slant the field and and 
and to dictate to the defense is almost like um, a three-point shooter in basketball, where it's like you need a shooter to be able to like impact the gravity on the field. And the Chiefs don't have that guy. And it hasn't killed him yet. But it's going to be a problem in the playoffs. Well, I, w- I would actually even go a, a step further. I like, I think you, I, you want two of them. You yeah. want one A and one B. Like we saw that this offseason with the contracts, like these GMs know what they're doing. Like all of these guys who got the contracts, whether, whether it was, you know, on the scale from Christian Kirk to Debo to DK Metcalf to Terry McLaurin to whoever, whoever, like having obviously a Tyree Kill, having a number one is insane. Having a one B. You basically have two guys that completely change the way that you have to play defense. And I think that's almost the feature of this. You're going to see teams trying to stack as many of these guys on the roster like it's fantasy. Like you, you imagine every GM in the league is looking down at Miami and being like, oh, if you have two freaks of nature on either side of the field, it's unguardable. Yeah, I feel like we can explain um, the Green Bay Packers game that way, too. I think I think we are first on this. Uh, we're maybe not first, but we are on this theme of the season. It's like defense is a theme of this season and like the need for a number one receiver. So I don't know. I think we, we did a good job covering the game. The one thing that happened um, between our original recording and now is the Ron Rivera or not Ron Rivera. Well, yeah, Ron, well, a couple things happened. So Ron Rivera threw his quarterback under the bus and uh, Matt Rule was fired and they replaced him with Steve Wilkes. So Matt Rule getting fired, not a huge surprise. I'm happy for Steve Wilkes, but um, obviously the the black coach is an issue. Having black coaches is an issue in professional football. So like giving Steve Wilkes another chance is a nice thing, but is it just me or is like interim coach like a black job? Like I feel like it's always a black right. guy is the interim job. And I don't know if it's like, it's for the numbers or whatever. Like no one, the black coach doesn't get the good job. The black coach gets the interim job and then he gets fired, but we'll see how that goes. Maybe Wilkes can pull it together and keep that job. Or maybe they'll hire uh, one of these outstanding defensive coordinators. Uh, D'Amico would be a good guy to look at. So we'll see when that gets around. And my take on the Rivera thing is he didn't want Carson Wentz. Right. Like it's, I, I don't, I'm obviously I'm not reporting this, but it seems obvious. You don't throw a guy that you want under the bus like that. I mean, even if he sucks, you have some faith in him and you protect him. It, it, that wasn't directed at Carson Wentz. It's col- Carson Wentz is collateral damage. Ron Rivera is pissed at whoever forced him to take Carson Wentz and he wants them to know it. It's similar to how Jim Irsay ran Carson Wentz out of town because Frank Reich pulled him in town. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy in Carson Wentz's last six games, he's gotten, absolutely crushed by his coaching staff or his ownership group twice twice in six games in two organizations he's he's your college best friend that you let come stay at your house and sleep on your couch and your wife is is pissed at you frank reich his wife was very upset when (laughs) when he brought his old buddy carson and then carson had to find him a new couch down in the nation's capital and now he's getting run out of there too I mean, it's crazy. They we'll see what happens with him. If he plays seventy percent of the snaps, it becomes a second round pick instead of a third. Uh, that was told in this trade, and you kind of can't bench him because he might give you a chance to get a top four pick and get one of these two quarterbacks. They're in line to get the fourth pick right now, and like, well, I mean, it's, it's not like they're going to get better. I think they'll get really less volatile. 
I think they'll get less volatile. I think Carson Wentz gives them the best chance to win and the best chance to get blown out. I thought that after week one, when I was like sort of bullish on their, their offense, but like, okay, Dotson's hurt. We just talked about the importance of receivers. They're back to, you know, a one weapon offense. And I'm not totally sure he has zero, he's had zero chemistry with McLaurin. I have, I'm not totally sure that they wouldn't be a more stable winning team for the rest of the season with Taylor Heineke. They'd be more stable. I don't know if they win, but I'm making an executive decision. I'm not going to run off any more listeners by spending one more minute talking about the commanders. All right, let's get on to the rest of this fun. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Charlie. So Matt Rule is out, but I mean, it shouldn't be much of a surprise. He hitched his wagon to some mediocre, I guess not so mediocre, worse than mediocre quarterbacks. And also like, he's not a very good coach, which is like, I guess is a, it, it leads me to an interesting question that I, I think is worth discussing. It's how do we evaluate coaches and their impact? Because I think nobody, very few people in the media are like breaking down game plans and determining who has the best game plan and who's the most innovative mind. It's like we start with the results. And then if we can't explain it with like, hey, this quarterback's really awesome. We're like, hey, that coach must be really awesome. Or if we can't explain uh, the defense through players, we're like, man, that's some great coordinating over there. And if teams surprise us, generally, we're, that's who gets the coach of the year, is like the most surprising coach. When in actuality, if we're talking about – and I guess you have to break down what coaching is. It's like leading the team is one thing, and then there's also like schematic – and the one thing that we can point to is like in-game management. And so Nathaniel Hackett, bad coach. <laughs> he's, shown, yes. he's proven to us that he cannot manage the team. But that brings me to McCarthy, who like yeah. last year, 
terrible managing games. Terrible. And they're like uh, the, the Cowboys coach. And they also like led the league in penalties, which again, we chalk that up to like the head coach. Terrible is that. And now this year, they're winning much more games than we expected. But it feels like he still has some stink on him from last year because we say like Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore doing a good job, but no one gives Mike McCarthy any credit. So I don't know if what the exact question is or where I'm taking this, but it's an interesting conversation just trying to figure out what value coaches actually bring and how we determine who gets credit. But if you're not going to win, you got to fire the head coach. So like I'm not here trying to defend Matt Rule, but it's hard for us to understand who is – actually doing a good job and who were just like, Hey, give them credit. They're winning. Well, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like coaching and quarterback play is basically how we perceive teams in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, this better than anyone. Like if we're looking at a football team, it's really like we are looking at a closed door and we can hear muffled sounds behind the door and we can see the light peeking under and movement that could be going by, but we don't really have a picture of who deserves credit or blame, which is why it's so interesting that like, all right. Yeah, coaches are are judged off win and loss record, but a lot of it is they're judged off bedside manner too. Like Mike McCarthy was judged because he didn't he seemed like a schlub with Aaron Rodgers and he joked that he made up that he studied all this tape and became an analytics guy. And that's more how we perceive him than the fact that he's had a winning record for like a decade and a half. And I'm not saying McCarthy's a good coach. Like we probably have a preponderance of evidence that he's not a great coach. But he's certainly passable. He's not a complete rube like we decided he was a year ago. Yeah. Oh, first of all, it's an outstanding analogy. The closed door analogy is uh, the perfect one. And some of us can peek in the window a little bit and break down the tape, but we don't actually know like what's happening and who's coming up with the great idea. Like that happens too, where it's like everyone's participating in the game plan. We don't know who came up with the great strategy this week. We don't know which coach it was or if it was a player, but we give the credit to the head coach because I guess he manages it all. But right now I feel like Dayball is probably the front runner for coach of the year. And we love Wink Martindale and what he's done with that defense there, but they should have lost the first game to the Titans they went for two. It was aggressive and I loved it, but it was a terrible call. But Saquon was incredible and got it done. They barely beat the Panthers, who just fired their coach. Uh, they lost to Dallas with a backup quarterback uh, on Monday night. They beat the Bears by eight. And then they have this big crowning achievement in London. They beat the Packers. Like all those games were pretty close, and none of them were against, with the exception of Packers and we'll find out going forward, but none of them were against like people or teams we believe to be Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. So it's just funny how, how fickle our opinions can be if things go a little differently. But now we're like, Brian Dayball was the man. Well, he re- rehabilitated Josh Allen and now he's got the giants headed in the right direction. So it's really interesting too. Cause like, all right, I do think based on what we know, it would be hard to say that Dayball's not done an awesome job because Winning in these high leverage, close situations, of course, there's a luck element to it, but there's also a high leverage decision making element to it that good coaches seem to do better than bad coaches. And what I think is interesting about Dable, I think it's very clear he's a good coach. I think it's very clear he was helpful for Josh Allen. He's winning with the Giants team that we didn't think was that talented offensively or defensively. We just thought that removing Gettleman and Judge, replacing with Dable and Link would make a big difference. But one of the interesting things about Dable, 
Sometimes when you lose a great offensive mind, you expect offenses to take a step back. We've seen that historically throughout the league. Um, the Bills are still rolling. Like I was thinking about this. If, if, imagine the Giants are like two and three, but a, like a pesky two and three. And then you look at Josh Allen. How much would those close games if they had just gone like the ball had like bounced a different way? Would we think of this completely differently because of how good yeah. the Bills still are? Yeah, I mean, that's the point that I was making is um, that these close games could have gone the other way. And we wouldn't, and I'm not trying to argue that Dayball is not a good coach, but we wouldn't be talking about him the way we are right now if he had lost those games, which I guess is fine for fans, but us as analysts and uh, I guess decision makers should do a better job of parsing this out. But to your original analogy, we can't see what the hell's happening. We're just like, hey, that's a, a, a winning team that we expected to be terrible. And we don't extend that to everyone including, like I mentioned, Mike McCarthy. So I guess we should give Mike McCarthy some credit and take a little bit of credit from Dayball. But what is that? We don't, like, have a, a credit scale. But uh, I don't know. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Brandon Staley is the next yes. coach that I want to talk about. Brandon Staley in fourth downs. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did the analytics support his most recent? So they were winning and they were trying to put the game out of reach and they went for fourth down around midfield when most people would have punted it. And it gave the Browns an opportunity to move it in the field goal range and they missed the field goal. So they didn't lose, but on the heels of the previous season where Brandon Staley was ridiculed for being too aggressive on fourth down by like football guys, because most of the times his decisions are consistent with what the analytics suggest. Um, and I'm pretty sure, right. Is this mm -hmm. most recent decision was also consistent with what the numbers support, but it just goes against what I would have said to do right there. And what traditional football would have said to do. So I think juxtaposing him with Harbaugh, off of the Monday night, excuse me, off the Sunday night game is a good one because it seemed like Harbaugh, who's always stuck very close to the analytics, it seemed like he gave in to the pressure because they had a fourth down at the goal line again, and he decided to kick the field goal. And of course, the Bengals went all the way back down and scored a touchdown, took the league, but there was enough time left for Lamar to get Justin Tucker in field goal range, and they won. But it seemed like I guess I don't know how to we're supposed to have strident opinions on this, like who's right and who's wrong. And at least for Harbaugh, I don't know, because I respect the idea that these are not you're not playing with computers. Yeah. So had he gone for it and missed it, I don't know what happens in that locker room. Yeah. And I'm sure that his analytics people were saying right now, the right decision is to go for it. But in his mind, it's like, no the right decision for my team, given where we are, is to kick this field goal. A hundred percent. This is like, this is something that I could not agree with you more. That like, Okay. I believe in the numbers. I believe in the numbers. I believe in numbers. I said over and over again, I understand that the larger you make the sample, the bigger, the, the more the numbers matter. With that said, 
if you're a head coach and you're trying to win the game, there also has to be feel. And there has to be feel from John Harbaugh, who's just been arguing with Marcus Peters two weeks ago about this exact decision. He has to show that he trusts his defense. He has to maintain that hit like his role in the locker room with these guys. And sometimes that's bigger than the numbers and it totally paid off. Of course they went down the field, but like, like let's look at the other side of that game too, where Zach Taylor is now receiving a ton of the blame pie for the slow start from the Bengals. And let's look at his, his goal line plays. He basically did a Philly special that lost them 20 yards. He, you know, ran into the line of scrimmage. He went for it on a fourth down and didn't get it. It's like, you know, sometimes it's okay to be conservative and take the points and like, like, hey, defense, I trust you. You played really well. You bottled up Lamar Jackson in a way that's actually been pretty impressive to hold him under, you know, 30 points for the night. Um, you know, the numbers might bear itself out over time, but there there has to be a feel aspect of this. If you don't have a feel aspect of your players and your team, you know, you're not you're not a human being. What happened? So uh, we got to get back to Staley at one, yeah. at some point and figure out how we feel about that. I, I, well, I don't think there's much to figure out. He should have punted it. Yeah. In my view. I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't care about that. I had a conversation. Um, I guess it, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't have to include his name, but I had a conversation with like a, a really high level CEO a couple weeks ago. And I was just asking him what he, what he learns in general about making decisions. And the thing that he, that he said to me, which I thought was interesting was early in his career, he always followed the numbers and he regrets it that he should have gone by the instincts more. He gave an example of uh, fighting a unionized workforce, um, pushing back against their desire to lift, raise the minimum wage. He said that he thought the right thing to do was to raise the minimum wage, but the numbers and the executives beneath him said, Nah, we can't do that. It's going to impact profitability too much. And he didn't. And he followed their decision and followed the numbers. And it ended up costing him and making his job more difficult in the long run. And I think that's the thing. That's a tough thing about being a leader is you can justify any decision by saying, that's what my instincts said. But like, I don't know what the right word is for because instincts feels trite almost. Where it's something about like I think it's managing the emotional. That's it. Like that's managing exactly the it. emotional state of your team or your workforce or whatever, and understanding that sometimes the best decision is like if computers could make all the right decisions all the time, then we wouldn't need you, like you know, to lead an organization. And he knew, and that was early in his career, and he's he got much better, and then he learned to follow his instincts and make those um, non-emotional or make those decisions based more on emotion sometimes than on what the analytics tell you. But that's what, that's what like good NFL coaches and Harbaugh is one of the best and he did it. And even if they had lost that game, I think the right decision right there long-term is to do that because it's to kick that extra point because even if they lose that game, then he has like, some leverage for the next time, you know, I yeah. think managing that long-term matters. So back to Staley, had they yeah. succeeded on that fourth down, we wouldn't have the same conversation, but I still think that's a time where you got to punt it right back. Jacoby Brissett up. 
But I, I also feel like you got Justin Herbert and you got two yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. What, what what do you think? I mean, I think it's 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 pretty obvious. Keenan Allen tweeted about it. He basically said, you know, uh, WTF are we doing out here? Um, and then he, you know, tweeted his sigh of relief when the Browns missed that field goal. But yeah, I mean, like, have have some feel. I mean, I I honestly think that Brandon Staley's gotten like too deep in this. Like, it's become such a part of his identity that he's not even thinking about the decision anymore, and he's just he's going for it because he's following the numbers over and over and over again. Um, and I think that there's that's, an argument for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the argument for for that is you're gonna miss some, but the point is if you are consistent in your decision-making and you follow the numbers over and over again, over time, you'll end up on the right side of it. Like you'll win more than you lose. Well, but if you're like wishy-washy about it, then you may not. Well, why are they so bad at executing fourth downs? That's a, that's a, that's a huge part of it too. It's not just actually going for it. It's how you execute in those situations. And it seems like the chargers have been incredibly hamstrung over the last two seasons under Brandon Saley, because they can't execute in high leverage situations at a high enough level for it to be fruitful. And that's the interesting part about it, because if you have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, who's been on every quarterback ranking now, a top four, top five quarterback in the NFL, you would think that they would have high profile wins on fourth and short. And it doesn't seem like that ever happens. And I'm not using any numbers here. Now I'm going the opposite of analytics. But it seems like even if it's the right decision, it's the wrong outcome. And at a certain point, that that process has to change. If it's play calling, if it's practicing this, if it's set up for this, like, I don't know. All right. Last year, they were actually pretty good at it. League averages around 50%. They were above 60. But this year, they're 45.5%. They've succeeded on five of their 11 attempts. So, yeah, you're right. This team has a really good quarterback and they do not manage to execute on fourth down. You would think they have plays for this. I mean, I'm sure they do, but they don't work. And I think fourth down and short is the same as like two point plays. You got to have something ready. Mm -hmm. Like you got to have for every week, you know, what defenses teams like in those situations, you got to have something ready. And they just ran like a traditional double slant, I think is what happened. And it seemed the way, the way that the Browns were covering it, they knew it was coming. Like the corner just like wedged his body and gave up a deep shot. If he, if they wanted to do that and just took away the slant. So I don't know, they got to be more prepared for the situations, but they also have to be better at it. And Brandon Staley is going to, I think the pressure there is high because the quarterback is so good and still on his rookie deal. He could be on the hot seat real soon. Cause I'm not sure that people are the success that they are having. I, I don't think people are crediting Brandon Staley for it. They're like, Hey, you know, who's really good. Justin Herbert and Derwin James and it's Bosa when he's happy and healthy and, and Rashawn Slater when he's healthy. So they got like guys, they just, aren't as good as, I mean, receivers, Allen and Williams. They got Eckler. Like, it, it doesn't stop, but they are not real contenders, it feels Well, like. this is it. This is, you just slowly boiled it down to exactly what it is. In coaching, we're going to judge the process and the results. And if you do something that we wouldn't do playing Madden or that we're yelling at the TV not to do, and you're doing dumb shit, we're going to basically have our hands over our eyes unless it succeeds. And then we're going to play the result. And when we play the result, we're basically doing this. Or is your team as good as we thought it was going to be based on players on it? And if it's not, we're going to start blaming the coaches. And 
maybe that's unfair, but how else are we supposed to do it? If you have a team loaded with talent and all of these guys we think are really good and then they aren't succeeding yeah. at a high level, we have to blame the coach. If I'm watching it, I'm like, it's on the coach. Sometimes we blame the quarterbacks too, yeah. but um, and sometimes it's not deserving. But yeah, I think that's fair. But we put so much weight on the skill players. We don't know or care about the fronts too much and those like impact all this but yeah i don't know we'll see how this goes this it's season but Bengals issue yeah we'll see how this goes this season we'll see what happens with staley because I, I don't know if he survives this season if they don't really like, make some impressive run you don't feel that maybe i'm making it up but it feels like because herbert is so good the pressure is building i think it should be building i mean he's the preseason yeah. favorite for coach of the year so sean payton you don't think Sean Payton would love to get his hands on Herbert? Yeah. You know, like it feels like there are guys out there or like Kellen Moore, all these offensive coordinators, and maybe they should hire a defensive coordinator or a special teams coordinator. We sure. can talk about that another day, but there, that's an attractive situation. So rare is it that a, uh, a coaching situation or opportunity opens up in the NFL that has a good quarterback on it. And that's the hardest thing to find. And he could potentially be one of the greats, but we'll see. That's my point is the alternative out there might be better. A proven coach who's won a Super Bowl, who's gotten the best out hmm. of quarterbacks like Sean Payton. If he showed interest in the chargers, uh, I mean, I, I might make that move, but I guess they went the defensive coach with Staley. And he's like incredibly inexperienced as a head coach too, which like, and reasonably successful so far. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching, but I feel the pressure is high higher than maybe it actually is. So we'll see how it goes. Um, let's close out by uh, talking about our bets. We made one bet last week. How are we doing? We're up to seven and five, so we're creeping into the into the green. We bet on the Cowboys Rams under. We hit it by eleven points, so we weren't even they weren't even close. Uh, basically, we're betting geniuses at this point. I think it's it's smart for us to keep the scope somewhat small. Yeah, um, smart. We don't got to bet all the games. Let's pick a couple games here or there and keep climbing up. That's what we're doing. So let's let's uh, get another win this week. You got any bets off the top, or should we? I guess we should wait till the next episode to do the to the, do our bets, right? Yeah, let's wait till Thursday to do the bet. All right, let's go to roses and thorns. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right. Time for the segment with everyone's favorite Foxworth, Roses and Thorns, my lovely wife, Ashley. What's up, buddy? Hi, from across town. Well, yeah, we're in we're in New York. Just the two of us, no kids. You're at the hotel and I'm at the office because it would have been really bad to try to record from the same tiny New York hotel room. I still think we should just try to record from the like the chair, like just sit on your lap. 
<laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> I take it back. I've never. I'm, I'm sorry. Can we take that part out? Why are you always trying to edit? <laughs> just, just because I'm producing while I is that what producers do? Okay, I'm doing it. I editing. mean, I guess I they edit and produce anyway. Because I say things that I shouldn't say. Like I didn't mean in any weird ways. I'm just saying we would have to sit really close to each other to fit. You say things. I mean, that's you though. I feel like that's consistent with who you are in in your life. As you say no. things as they come to your mind. And they come out and then deal with their consequences. Did you just put candy in your mouth before we started recording? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Take that part out, you guys. Because I hadn't eaten yet and I just wanted a mint. Shit. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Mind your business. All right. How was your weekend? Good times. Big uh, baby shower. Lots of sports. My best friend's having a baby. Yes, we had a baby shower. It was fun. And you know what? I'll give you one rose right now. Dominique is the Me? best oh. assistant, like laborer, event assistant. He was out there lighting propane tanks, carrying things around, running to the store to get SD cards for the cameras. Thank you for all that you do. And and I say thank you, like, because it's my friend, but you actually really, really love Channing. So, like, I know you were just as happy to celebrate her as I was. Yeah. Nah. Definitely. I can't stand Channing, but I like you, so I pretend like I like her. She's I love her so much. She's like your sister. No, it was fun though. It was nice. It's the first time I've entertained since um COVID. Like I used to like to have a good party. Um, but it was kind of chilly, just... and you made everybody go outside too because of your COVID <laughs> fears. Like ninety, her ninety-year-old granddad. I said people could no, no outside. First of all, you're lying. Her granddad wasn't there. I uh, said that. Well, I said that people like could. Seventy-five. He was outside shivering. I said that people could come inside. I did. It's just, I didn't know it was going to be, what was it, like 58 degrees. And so I had invested in making the patio really pretty. Inside was just the normal house. I did clean it up because it was a mess. Again, we haven't been changing forever. Things like the toilet hasn't had an appropriate handle in like eight months because um, the kids just kept breaking. And I was like, fine, then use a screw. Um, I got a handle for the toilet. Like I cleaned all the rooms. I moved the cat and his stuff out of the party area. Um, so no, people could have come inside. That was their choice. But he lit the propane tank. So it was okay. People were cozy. And you showed up to Avery's soccer game, still in a party mood, <laughs> you and your sister. It was nice. She had a it night was. soccer game. She did. And we were like shutting down the baby shower. My sister was there. Well, actually, my sister was upstairs napping. Um, <laughs> but I was shutting down the baby shower. And then Avery's game was like 40 minutes away. And we had this really great bourbon cocktail at the baby shower because obviously we needed to celebrate lively um, <laughs> to make that into an effort. Um and it was good. And I had all these to-go cups. So I took one. I called an Uber. We Ubered out to the game. And I had a blast. Although they did not win for the first time this season. They did not lose either. They tied. But that was, you know, I was like, man, maybe my yeah. drunken appearance was bad luck. After the game, Avery was, um, whenever they lose, she, like, is very upset. And then she finds something else to be upset about to pretend like it wasn't about the loss. So she was wanted to go straight to the car and get out of there and was complaining about something else. But I knew it was just because she was mad because, well, I guess they didn't lose because they didn't win. She got over it eventually, but she. So that's uh, why you guys called me while you were walking. I was like, hey, yeah, because she was slow. She, we're getting in trouble, Lord. We need to run to the car. We're going to get left <laughs> yeah. in this field. Have to get an Uber home. She was, she was hot and was like, you don't even like soccer, but I guess she doesn't 
they put so much pressure on her to score goals and she felt like she couldn't. She got her goal. She got one. They tied one to one. She got a second one. And Declan had a great football game this weekend and I was so proud of him. He scored a bunch of touchdowns, but more importantly, he was two weeks back to back of taking responsibility when things don't go well and being positive to his teammates and being respectful of the referees. He's come a long way. And I know this sounds like all normal things that little mm-hmm. nine-year-old kids should be able to do. But if you know our son, he's a celebrator and he also believes in fairness. And by fairness, he means things should go his way. And if they do not go his way, he will let people know. So I was just really proud of him this weekend. I was too. One-handed touchdown catch, which was incredible. But the most incredible part was he dropped a pass and went back to the quarterback and said, my bad. And I was so proud of him. And then he was like positive and kind to everybody the whole game while he was cooking their asses out. It was a it's a great day for Declan Foxworth on the live football field. This is a child who about three weeks ago, who was it? You said it was called Deion Sanders, like Deion, how Deion Sanders did. Three weeks ago, he ran a touchdown into the end zone, holding the ball up above his head and like skipping or something. High stepping, yeah. High stepping, okay, I don't know the words. Um, Once before, he spiked the ball, but actually this was last year, so they gave him, they were nicer and gave him credit. He spiked the ball because he was like getting away with a touchdown or whatever. And he did it right before they actually got to the end zone, but the refs were like, gave it to him, which Dominic was like, he didn't deserve that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Like, like he likes to do ignorant celebrations um, and then gets in trouble with his coach. <laughs> the best this. one. I mean, I have to be honest. If it weren't my child, I would love it so much. Oh, other parents love it, it and we're mortified. Yeah. But he gets into full on arguments with the refer the full grown men referees. And, and, and the other dads like, will be like, but he's right though. But he's right. Yeah. He knows the rules. Like, I know he is right. These, but these are like like a bad offsides call. People yes. who give their weekends up to to like referee your little stupid game. Like, relax. But the biggest kick was in their championship game last year, which they won. There there was a I mom was not there. here and I'm there. I was at my daughter's was game. I'm a so mom glad there on the other team who had like a tiny megaphone and she was cheering for her boys or her son and his team on the megaphone the entire game. And Declan's like chirping at this mom while he's playing the whole game. And I'm he's like, an adult. yeah. And I'm like, chill out, Dec, chill out, chill out. And then the end of the game, they win like on a last second uh, dropped touchdown pass. They win. And so they celebrating. And the mom goes over to her boy and Declan, she put down a megaphone and Declan went and grabbed a megaphone and starts talking through his megaphone to uh, i mean to everyone fortunately the adults are adults and they like thought it was cute and funny but it's also unfortunate because everyone's like celebrating it so anyway this is the point so while at the beginning of this everyone probably was listening thinking okay he was a good sport like we should not be celebrating that no this is cause for <laughs> yeah, celebration you if you've met our son i'm so proud of him and that's all i've been saying i did have not mentioned his he, he had an incredible one-handed touchdown catch and two other touchdowns and an extra point. Like, he had a really good game on the field. I have not mentioned one of those things to him, but three times already. I'm like, hey, you were so positive today. You are a good sport, even when the refs messed up. So it was just a, a great sports weekend or just a great all-around weekend. I feel like, what? I mean, I might be thorn-proof this weekend. I don't think I... I really had... I could not... Well... Okay, here it is. Because, like, you told me. So, here's the thing. Like, I, like I, I've said before, I don't like criticizing people. So, like, my husband, like, he's the best. Like, I love him. But I've been taxed with coming up, tasked with coming up with a thorn. And I 
am here to do my job, right? So <laughs> your rose, you know me, I love a job. Your rose versus <laughs> that you're a great, great event assistant. Um, and also that you broke me away from our children. I like have a lot of anxiety around leaving them. Um, he travels weekly um, and I stay home with them. And like, I know where this is. I know what number you have to call for after her pickup for the day my son has aftercare because his sister has an activity. Like I know I need this stuff packed for dance on Monday, this for Tuesday, this, this, sec- uh, they get out at different times. So I just, I'm like, that's a lot for another, my, some of my kids take medications. Like I know who needs what medicine when. Um, and so so I didn't, I, I'm hesitant to leave sometimes because I'm like, well, what if someone doesn't do it how I would do it? Or like, what if there's a problem? Um, but I'm so grateful that you have your wonderful parents who are there taking care of our children and that you broke me away from them. So that's the second rose. But I do have a thorn. And I will say it took me a bit to come up with it. Um, then I honestly came up with three because none of them were that <laughs> great. So I just, you know, I was going with quality. No, I like, I like constructive criticism. Um, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Let's go. Let's get better today. One is that you like my gray hairs too much, which is so I had got my hair blow dry for the first time in a really long time because, again, I was doing a baby shower and I was like and I was coming to New York and I was like, I might as well have my hair done for once. And when it's blow dry, you can really, really see how bad my grays are. And I really want to dye my hair, but I feel pressure not to because Dominique is always like, no, they look great. It shows we're getting old together. I like them. I don't have a problem. I know, with but like my hair, my choice, my body, my choice. So yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I said that the only thing, so the only thing that I don't, the only reason why I'm not more stridently opposed to whatever you want to do to your gray hairs is because you, they do have a different my texture body, my choice. than the rest of the hair. Yeah. I mean, whatever you can do whatever you want your body. We had this conversation before is that you wanted to have uh, a fourth child and I made it quite clear that is your body, your choice. But I will not be participating in that. If you want to have a fourth child, it'll be with another man, not this one. But it's your body, your choice. But the gray hairs do have a different texture. And generally, I'm actually I'm not maxed a fan. out at three. Don't worry. Like, I kind of say I want one more, but, uh, you know. but yeah. And like, the universe has conspired against us. Um, we've almost gotten to four a couple times. We have not. We had a, a vanished twin. We had a miscarriage. None of those were very like traumatic events for us because I was like, yeah, three's good. Um, so, so I've learned my lesson. Yes, I'm not. Don't worry. I'm not going to leave you for someone who's willing to. Uh, to knock me up again <laughs> anyway the gray hair thing so like I, I honestly i like your hair curly i don't love when you blow oh, dry yeah. it he but doesn't. it looks guess great what? i'm about you, to do it two weeks in a row go for it it looks great it's beautiful the way that it is i might even dye it next week and if you want to dye it you can dye it but also if you don't want to dye it roger bring me some dye if you hear this right <laughs> you don't have to but the texture of your grays is different than the rest of them and it looks a little different but i mean it's i don't know it's it's just like it's we've been together for a long time we got gray hairs it's fine we're getting older and i don't know it's just like at a certain point just accept that you're getting old you ain't fooling nobody either like people who died ahead ain't tricking nobody we know that like 50 year old people got gray hairs well i'm so. not 50 yet i'm not even 40 is the thing let me have my black i know but back. the thing is once you start dying it then you can't stop because or either either that or you have to cut it all off because then you'll have like no uh, i have a friend actually right now and it looks really cool she's decided to let her growing gray i think is what she but she's decided to let her grays grow out and like it's like 
tracking it and it looks so pretty right now because it's like white like and then she has this little black bun obviously she wants to eventually get to a point where it's all gray but she didn't so i could do like that oh all gray which friend is that i'm not telling you because you might try to you might try to date her <laughs> he loves him some gray hair like seriously the moms at school have all gray hair i'm a little bit like is my husband going to come for you though like i don't know should i be nervous you make it seem like it's a fetish. I'm not like into gray hair. I just think it looks nice and it's a, nothing wrong with. I feel like this is the second. We had another episode where we talked about how I wanted gray hair. So, yeah, I think people are just going to think that. You like, are. It's a, it's what's a it fetish. Called I when you have you like really a, want... an elderly fetish. That might be you. I don't have an elderly fetish. I just think that it's a beautiful thing. We've been together for a long okay. time. You got gray hair and it's fine. We don't got to fool nobody. It's like I don't want you to like get a, a facelift, like whatever gonna get saggy and wrinkly whatever it's so cool. i've never been one to like be very into working out i mean i love doing like my little cardio but like i've never had like a an ab line in my life right whereas dominique obviously like one he's like genetically predisposed to be in great shape and obviously when we were dating early on he was playing and so and he's still in good shape and he'll complain he's like oh my god i got fat i gained some weight and i just look at him and roll my eyes but for him he only has a six pack not an eight pack so for him that is getting fat like for me i'd be like oh my god this is weird what's happening i think his stomach looks like it looks like a turtle excuse me when it's too cut up like it looks like it actually like pokes out from muscles it looks i don't go terps forever it actually looks really weird but anyway i used to be really self-conscious and be like oh i can first start dating like i'm like not in the shape that he's in obviously i wasn't um and and so i'm not at all anymore like i know you love me and you don't but do you also love my stretch marks and fat and saggy breasts from the years that we've been together yeah, you I mean, don't that is so, a lie if i could change those if i weren't scared of surgery and would change those you would be fine with that so i don't get why you care so much about no. gray hair well because i feel like well the stretch marks don't bother me sagginess doesn't bother it doesn't me. bother you but you don't like it that doesn't bother me but it's very different than mm -mm, mm -mm. yeah i would be no, fine it's not. Away the saggy because, breasts yeah. like literally i breastfed our beautiful yeah, babies for not... like probably four combined years that is much more sentimental than gray hair yeah it doesn't it never heard me complain about that no i know but you wouldn't if i if i if it weren't like that or if i fixed it or if i could exercise that away. okay you win you got me you got me i'm just saying so i don't get what it is about gray hair i, I don't know what like... it is okay i got i got an elderly fetish i'm in the old ladies I be hanging out outside of nursing home. Yeah, she, but she yeah. was an old fit lady. He was that old model with like, I've seen this one woman on everything. She's so beautiful. This older lady, she has like a short gray haircut and a banging oh, no. body. I'm not ever going to tell you. Where, where she I'm live? not ever going to find her for you because <laughs> if like that's who he would leave me for. Um, Your other thing, the other thorns, since I said I had a few, I'll just come with one more. You have a male resting face. You are the nicest man. <gasps> You are. I you do. are the nicest guy. But you look so rude sometimes. Like me, when I, I meet strangers, right. I'm like, like I have a crazy, goofy, like excited to meet you face. Like the very yeah. opposite. That's why people like you more. I know. Me. And in the end, to be quite honest, you might actually be nicer than me. Or you're certainly as nice. Yeah, but. But I'm more like warm and welcoming, I think, which those are kind of different things. But like Dominique would do anything for anyone. I noticed that at the party. Is, That's why I'm thinking of it. Uh, some. Yeah, one of Channing's relatives said something about me. I like laughed and she's like, oh, you do smile. And I was like, I'm not upset. Like, no, I'm I happy know. about this this thing. It's just like, I don't know. I'll be, I'll be, but I don't even know. for me, sometimes 
I miss, right I thank that. you. I misinterpreted sometimes, like when you were when we were helping with the moving the stuff in. Um, and I was like, "Are you upset? Like, are you angry?" He's like, "No, I'm just carrying things." And and like normally I know yeah, locked in, baby. Yeah, normally I know that like oh that's just the way his face looks. But even sometimes with me, I'm like, is he actually annoyed right now? Like like so yeah, you have male resting face. I think it's just and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just the way your face sets when you're in your normal. Yeah. But like I don't know, try to like smile with your eyes maybe being even if you're like i feel like as as a man i'm not supposed to tell women to smile more but it's okay to tell a man to smile more it's okay Um, i'm your wife so i actually will tell you even if it weren't okay i would tell you that you you need to smile less (laughs) you can't not you can't not (laughs) not if you tell me i need to smile less um of course that'll make me smile jackson five so are you out we got one more thorn i'm i like criticism i don't know it doesn't bother me as much as as like compliments make me a lot more uncomfortable because i mean i i like genuine compliments i hate like platitude compliments but i don't mind a little bit of criticism every now and then as long as it like is honest and comes from a good place so you got a third one or are you all out i don't I was wrong. I counted wrong. My handwriting's messy. I had two. And I really worked hard to come up with those two. Um, but okay, I know this isn't about me, but since we're here, I'll even let you have a thorn for me. But first have a, you know, bad news. Oh, I have a rose for me. I have no, a rose I don't have for a thorn. me. I only have a rose for you. Oh, okay. I taught you an right. idiom on the train. Do you remember it? You did. This the yeah, it is. Um, so I'm really bad at idioms, my, guys. Not my circus, not my circus. I'm saying not, not my, my circus, not my monkeys. Like, mm, not my issue. And he tried to tell me I was making that up. Is it black? You just made it so black. I didn't know it, it feels black. I don't know. It, it sounds like something uh, like a, a not auntie my circus, would say. not my monkeys. I don't know. That's just how I would say. I'm not an auntie. Well, I do. I do have two nieces and one nephew. So I am an auntie. By like family tree, not by age, even though I have these grays. But um, so no, he tried to tell me I was wrong as a thing because like traditionally I'm really, really I bad at you, you were. You were like, no, you thought I was it. mixing it up. Like I'm forever mixing up. Oh, yeah, like I'll be like, you're the pair of my eye. Like I know it's your apple of my eye. I could only mess it up intentionally that I actually know. But like I always am messing it up. Like put your nose to the ground. Like, or is it ear? I actually don't know which, but I'm always messing up. So I was on the train. We were on the train coming up from DC to New York yesterday. And I was like, not my circus, not my monkeys. And he was like, mm, no. And I was like, no, really? So I Googled it and that's on pillows. It's like Etsy has all these signs. I'm about to order him one for Christmas. Um, I don't know what's oh, not going to be your circus you. or not your monkeys, but that's my rose for myself do you have another for me or was that your i rose? mean i feel like i feel like not my circus not my monkeys is, is my general like <laughs> why you have resting bitch face all the time yeah i don't i don't give a about nobody else's business you don't, I'm except good. for my gray hair none of those yeah i love i mean you are my business but all right um my rose and thorn for you we'll end it on this they're kind of connected my rose is that you're going to not shop for yourself for the entire month of October. I know, but it's like I'm in New York. Do you want me to not shop? My thorn for you is that you actually are not going to succeed <gasps> in this. So <laughs> No, I'm looking for matinees to go to, guys. If you have any recommendations, although by the time you hear this, it'll probably be too late. I really want to see the piano lesson, but that's only in the evening. And I think an 8 p.m. start for a play is just too late for my old my young auntie list behind, non-auntie behind. I'm old, guys. I go to sleep early. Um, but yeah, I think matinees and museums are my move for New York. And then I have some other stuff I have to do in the room. But anyway, okay. Thank you. You don't know that I'm going to not succeed. 
Okay, well, sing us out since that's your, no, that's your thing. No, I'm now. not. I'm serious now. I'll do a poetry instead. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? All right. This is the only poem I can remember by heart. <laughs> Does it fester like a sore and uh, then run? Does it stink? Is it like rotten meat? Yeah. Does it crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Because I'm serious, guys. I'm an intellectual. Okay. I don't just go around singing. Uh, Christina, I, I you poetry. can get us out of here whenever you want. Yes, edit that out too. <laughs> don't edit anything out. Leave it all in. All right. Grateful as usual for uh, everybody. Ashley, Charlie, Addie, Christina, Sarah. You guys are the best. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Also, watch and listen to Debatable on ESPN, all streaming platforms. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.